podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andy Metz, tonight, with no game going on this Saturday for the Kansas Jayhawks. We decided to do a self-scout of the team, so talk about the team up to this point, uh, you know, talk about them moving forward. So tonight, I actually am joined by Ryan McNeely from over at Hawk Jock. Uh, we, we interviewed them over the summer. It was, it was I thought, a really great fit. I, I really liked having them on, so I was really happy to have them back again. Um, it's just Ryan this time. Fitz wasn't able to join us, but you know there's still plenty of good content here. So let's not uh, waste any more time. I will get you guys right on over to that interview. And I'm joined now by Ryan McNeely. Ryan, you are the the, the I guess the founder and main guy over there at Hawk Jock. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, I'm the uh, I guess the creator, if if you will. Right, right. So welcoming you back. We actually had you first during our, our summer season. Um, you know, got to know you guys a little bit better over there. Uh, we weren't able to be joined by, by Fitz tonight as well, but, but I, I figured I, I, you know, as I had mentioned back then, I wanted to catch up with you guys during the bye week, kind of do a little bit of self-scouting and talking about where we go from here. Um, before we get into the, the huge shocker of news that happened during the bye week, I do want to get your general impressions of the team so far this year. Um, what went better than you expected? What was a lot worse than you expected if, if there was anything? Um, so, just what in general were your takeaways from this first half of the season? Um, I guess the first half of the season, um, I guess if I want to start positively, is our defense. I I didn't expect our defense to be the way that they are. Uh, I, they're the reason why we're we're in games. We're leading. I think we're still leading uh, in, in takeaways right now. In the the entire uh, NCAA and our entire uh, college football. Uh, and then, I guess um, I, I'm 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 a little upset with with the offense, uh, as probably everyone else is, which is some of the big news that we'll we'll be talking about as well. I, I really thought that maybe we would have uh, have a little bit stronger offense this year, just with with everybody being a little bit older. Um, but you know, I'm super impressed with Puka Williams, just like everyone else is. I I. I expected him to be good, but my goodness, I did not expect him to be the the person that he is, the player that he is, and you know, hopefully, he's here for all four years, and we have we have something special with him as long as we can we can really we can really add to it in the in the next few years. Yeah. So so first of all, you are correct. We are still number one in turn in total turnovers gained. Uh, we have eighteen. We have seven fumbles, and then eleven interceptions. Um, interestingly enough, that seven fumbles has us tied for third in the nation in terms of total fumbles recovered. Um, and I am trying to get the interceptions right now. And it looks like, well, with, with, with 11 there, I know it has us. here we go. Passes intercepted. Um, 11 actually has us second for interceptions. The only person ahead or the only team ahead of us is North Texas and they have 12. So, Combine that together, we are one ahead of Florida for the overall lead in in uh, turnovers. So 
Yeah, that is kind of a stat. You know, it, it was funny. We were going into this last week with West Virginia. You know, Dana Holgerson, the the West Virginia coach, was asked about the turnovers, and he basically said, and and that's the the Rutgers effect. Which I mean, we we talked about on our last podcast is is somewhat fair. You know, half of our inter or half 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 our turnovers at the time. Uh, in terms of the turnover margin, had come from the Rutgers game, the other half from Central Michigan. So six, six in each of those. Um, but then we went and got four more against them. So, you know, it, it obviously wasn't only um, Rutgers and Central Michigan. Um, but, yeah, I do think that that's probably the biggest surprise, just the number of turnovers they were able to get. I don't think the how well the defense has been playing has really been that much of a surprise because, to be honest, they're not really performing statistically any better than they had in the last few years. The main difference is that they haven't been on the field for nearly as much because the offense has been able to do something in some of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think I think really that's kind of been my biggest surprise is that the offensive line has actually held up decently well. Now, granted, there isn't really <laughs> you know much to do other than get better from the way they've been the last few years, but I honestly didn't think that given that we had so many new starters – you know, so many unknowns, and we brought in a whole bunch of junior college guys that hasn't worked for us in the past. It seemed to have worked at least moderately well this year. Um, so I was a little surprised by that. Puka Williams has definitely been the big bright spot for the team. Uh, I don't know that I can necessarily say that I'm really surprised. You know, he was a four-star rated recruit. There was a lot of talk that he probably would have been a higher, you know, higher if there weren't eligibility issues. Um you know, there were there was a bunch of other teams that were interested in him, like top t- top tier teams that were interested in him, but there was eligibility concerns. Um, so if he was able to get onto the field, you know, I'm I, I was expecting him to do something. The question was going to be how much were they going to be able to get the ball to him out out in space? So, mm-hmm. All right. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, you know, I expected him to be good. I definitely did. I don't know if I expected him to quite be this good this early. I, you know, that's as a freshman, especially with our O-line, the way that they've been. But like you said, our O-line has held up. And, and I think that's really helped him out quite a bit. Right. Well, and, and it also helps. I mean, you know, it, it was actually just tweeted the other day. He is actually still the number one rated running back, according to Pro Football Focus, which, you know, they, they do a really good job at getting like individual um, guys there and getting all their rankings and comparing them. We've had a lot of highly rated defensive players. Uh, it has been a while since we've had a very highly rated offensive player. And if I remember correctly, the last one was also a running back. So um, Kansas seems to do pretty well with running backs in terms of mm-hmm. individual performances. Uh, but I, I do agree. I, I was surprised that he was this good this early, but I think my surprise was more of a, I didn't think the offensive line was going to allow him to be this good this early. Um, they did mm-hmm. some really good things against the, the, the lesser competition that they played and getting him out in space. Um, it also helped, I think, that his first game was against a Central Michigan team that was just completely physically overmatched by Kansas, which isn't something that happens very often for this Kansas team. If he had started against Rhode Island, uh, I'm sorry, not Rhode Island, against Nickel State, um, you know, he probably still would have had a decent game. It wouldn't have been quite the breakout that he had, I think. Um, that might have tempered expectations a little bit. Um, I, I, you know, it may have been enough for us to actually win the game. In fact, I think it probably would have been. Um, but I also don't think he would have had as much of a phenomenal breakout performance. And so that might have changed the way that we think about him a little bit. Um, the fact that he was able to play against such a poor opponent um, in terms of matchups to allow him to have such a huge game for that one and then a huge game for Rutgers kind of elevated him a little bit 
and, and I think makes people pay a little bit more attention to him just because he was able to start so well. Yeah, I can agree with that. So, all right. Any other thoughts about the the team and and the first half of the season or anything like that? Other than, I mean, are you are you kind of surprised that Beatty still has his job? Um, I, I well, I I'm surprised because we lost to Nickel State, so or Nichols, I guess, is what they're called now. But uh, I I really saw after us losing to Nichols that this is going to in very, very badly and very quickly. But then we ended up having those two wins, you know, to two teams that were lesser opponents than us. They, they really were. Uh, they, they clearly showed that on the, on the field. But, you know, I, I'm a little bit surprised. And I think if we would have not played, or at least our defense wouldn't have played the way that they did against West Virginia, it, I think he pro- there would have been a good chance he would have been gone. But with, with him coaching the game that he did on um, or against West Virginia, it definitely, uh, I, now I, I definitely see him being here for probably the rest of the season. So now I'm not quite as, quite as surprised uh, as, as I probably would have been. Yeah. I'm wondering though, how much credit does he actually get for the, <laughs> for the game against West Virginia? Because, you know, I mean, there's, there's always kind of been that open question of, you know, how much of the offense is he actually doing? How much is the offensive coordinator? It's been a, a constant struggle since he got here even for him to turn any control over to an offensive coordinator. Uh, with, with the disastrous first year that he had, you know, it looked like we finally got him to turn it over um, to that Cal defensive coordinator, or the Cal offensive coordinator that came over, uh, Likens, I believe his name was. I'm trying yep, to remember Rob, now. Rob Likens. Rob Likens, yep. right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually surprised that I remember that. Um, and, and then when we hired, you know, Meacham from TCU, it seemed, okay, well, we've got a guy that has some credentials as an offensive coordinator. It's natural that he's going to go ahead and take it over. And, you know, ideally our offense should be better, but, you know, given, given just the way that David Beatty has talked about the, the offensive decisions, he's taken responsibility in terms of, you know, his game plan and things like that. Um, you know, given the big news, which we'll get to in just a second, I, I really wonder, you know, did Doug Meacham ever actually get an opportunity to run his offense? Um, you know, given his his propensities at, at TCU and everywhere he's been before that, you know, like the quarterbacks that we've started every year don't seem to be the kind of guys that a Doug Meacham offense would typically like. Um, Stanley, I think, would have, would typically have been the starter in both of the last two years. Uh, he, he at least fits the mold more of what a, a Doug Meacham air raid, air raid type offense wants to be. And so I've been surprised with Peyton Bender being the starter coming out of camp the last two years, um, you know, with Doug Meacham supposedly in charge. And it's made me wonder, especially given the news of, of, of Doug Meacham being fired this week. Um, you know, it's made me wonder just how much has Doug Meacham actually been able to run the offense and how much has David Beatty been kind of sabotaging, or not, not sabotaging, but undermining what he wants to do and then interjecting Beatty's own thoughts about how the offense is supposed to run. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement 100% with that. I I think I don't think that uh that Beatty ever gave him full reign of the offense. I think that they battled each other the whole time. I don't think they it, from what you see on the field from the play calls that that are being called, you know, I I don't think that they ever really really got along with whenever it came to plays of being called um players being played it's it seemed like I'll, I'll steal something from something that uh tom keegan said today that they that i think that 
Beatty was on one end of the rope, and uh, Meacham was on the other, and they just played tug-of-war the whole time. And I completely agreed with that. And, and so they're, you know, if you have somebody tugging on each side, it's just not going to go anywhere. And and I think that there was a lot, I think a lot of a lot of it had to do with that. A lot of this offense had to do with that. And I do think that Bender, or sorry, Stanley, was probably more of Meacham's guy than um, than like Miles Kendrick or maybe Peyton Bender, just because of how he played. Um, and and I don't think that that Beatty liked that. And I and I don't think they ever agreed on anything. Therefore, the offense never did anything because neither one of them really had full reign of the offense at that point. So it just kind of stalled out like it has been doing. So, yeah, I, I agree that I, you know, with you on, on what you said. Yeah. I mean, and, and it kind of casts, I, I'm actually on record as saying that I thought Carter Stanley made a lot more sense for the mm-hmm. type of offense that Incans kept saying they were supposed to be running. Um, and what, what Meacham, like I've said this in, in past seasons of the podcast, past episodes of the podcast. So uh, it's actually pretty well documented that, that, you know, I've been a big Carter Stanley guy for the offensive scheme that we were supposed to be running. Um, but you know, it kind of cast the entirety of Doug Beecham's tenure here at Kansas in a different light. If, you know, if you view it from that light of, you know, he never really actually got the control he was supposed to be getting. David Beatty never gave him the opportunity to install his offense. And so, so I think what's going to happen from here, you know, is either the offense is going to just completely nosedive with, with David Beatty in charge. Um, in which case, you know, Doug Meacham is going to look like a genius, you know, like he, he was really held back and he can immediately move on from this, you know, and find another good job or the offense is going to improve quite drastically. Um, I don't think that that should be a knock on Meacham and what he's trying mm-hmm. to do though. I think it much more likely given everything that we've been hearing is, you know, no one was going to be successful in the system because we had two opposing coaches trying to do two different things. And like you were saying, with that tug of war, you know, if if you don't have everybody on the same page, then pulling in the different directions is going to stop everybody from succeeding. So uh, what I'm afraid is going to happen unfairly for Doug Meacham is that David Beatty's going to get some moderate improvement more just because there's only going to be one voice in the room now. And, you know, that's going to be a, a quote unquote vindication of the move to, to fire him because, oh, look, they got even better. You know, once once Doug Meacham was gone, so Meacham must be the guy holding it back. I don't think that's the case at all. I think, quite honestly, that we would be even better if we had turned the offense completely over to Doug Meacham instead of letting David Beatty, you know, meddle with it the way that he has been. So, I I agree. Yeah, I mean, you you've taken pretty much the words out of my mouth on that one as well. I I definitely think it, it's going to go either way uh, because because like you said there's only going to be one person in charge now. So the two people on two separate ends of the spectrum trying to run one offense. So it, I mean, realistically it could get better, but at the end of this, at the end of the season, if Beatty doesn't have his job and obviously Meacham doesn't have his job, which one's probably going to get a better job offer um, and probably run a more efficient offense. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question that Meacham is probably going to find a better landing spot. Um, he can mm-hmm. very easily, I think, um, you know, just given all the all the issues that David Beatty has had being the face of the program, um, it's very plausible for him to go into an interview and say, look, I never got buy-in to what I was trying to do. He can explain what's going on quite well, and I think come out of that pretty well. 
um, Beatty's going to get stuck with this. And I mean, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the move. I mean, I, I guess at this point we're, we're we're not talking about the Doug Meacham firing, but you know, it was heavily criticized. Um, I think the initial reaction of everybody, rightfully so, was, wait a minute, what? What? <laughs> like, <laughs> this should be David Beatty getting fired, not Doug Meacham. Like, it made a lot more sense to fire Beatty, let Meacham be the, the interim head coach, and move on from there. I do think, like, kind of trying to peek into the reasoning behind what Jeff Long has allowed here. I, I mean, I think it's a fair assessment to say that Jeff Long, at this point in time, is probably planning on doing a complete wipe of the of, of the coaching staff, maybe keeping a few low-level assistants, um, you know, maybe Tony Hall to try to keep what little bit of recruiting we have. You know, he's done a really good job there. So I could see him kind of being carried over to the next staff, whether that's Jeff Long's uh, call or not. But the thought process here being, look, we're probably going to wipe the entire staff anyway moving forward. Um we don't want to, you know, if, if we ha- if we don't intend on keeping Doug Meacham past this year and giving him a legitimate shot at the head coaching job on an interim basis, then it doesn't make sense to, to allow him to step into that interim head 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 coach role. Because if they start to have a little bit of success, there's going to be a lot of pressure of, well, hey, look, you know, David Beatty was holding this guy back. You know, why don't we give him a shot at it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if there's not the clear indication that he is the guy moving forward, you don't want to allow the fan base to rally behind a guy that you that you already know at this point you need to get rid of. So I, I think it makes sense to not get rid of Beatty and let Meacham step up into that sense. Cause, cause there really isn't a guy on the staff that makes, you know, a hundred percent sense as the interim head coach. Um, if we, if, if you got rid of Beatty. So I, I honestly, I think that's where the thought process is in keeping Beatty for the rest of the year is that it, there isn't a clear path forward and there's not a clear advantage. Like, like I've talked about in the last few episodes, um, you know, there's not a clear advantage to getting rid of him in the middle of the season um, like you would typically have just because there's nobody you can move on at this point. You know, there's not a recruiting class that you're trying to hold on to. So, you know, there's not like a good reason one way or another to really do anything. So it's kind of a the perfect opportunity to just stand pat. The problem is Beatty and Meacham very obviously from everything that's come out don't get along and have had real serious issues trying to co-manage the offense. And so, you know, if you've got to make a change and you don't want to give Meacham the opportunity to try to make an argument for being the, head, the next head coach, then the only thing that makes sense is go ahead and get rid of Meacham now because he's going to be gone after the season anyway. Let Beatty finish out the string because he's going to be gone after the season anyway and just move on from there. Um, obviously, he can't come out and say, look, we were going to fire both these guys at the end of the year anyway, so it just made sense to let Beatty kind of finish it out. Like coming out and saying that, publicly doesn't do you any good. So, but I mean, that's the only thing I think that makes sense to me as to why Jeff Long would allow this type of move, allow Beatty to make this type of decision is because, you know, we were going to get rid of them both anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I I can definitely see that. I, you know, this is, I, I really think this for Beatty is his one last move to try to, I guess save his job. I don't think his job is savable at this point. At least we all hope it isn't. I mean, honestly, let's let's right. be completely honest. I don't think any of us want Beatty back. I don't know. I know that there are some people out there that do want him back, but there's there's not a lot. I, well, and, and, and I'd like to clarify. I don't think there's anybody that actually wants Beatty himself back. I think there's just <laughs> a large portion of the fan base that is resistant to making another coaching change. Like, I, th- yeah, it's, right. I it's it's it, not but... that Beatty's shown them anything. It's that... 
we haven't, or we don't want to go through another change and start all over again. Like that's, Mm -hmm. and and I'm not counting myself as part of that group, but like, that's the only argument that I've ever heard to keeping Beatty is, oh, he hasn't had enough time. You know, we're changing coaches too often. It's not, Beatty's doing this really well. And you know, the other stuff is going to come along. It's, we just haven't let him have enough time. And that's never really a good argument to keep someone in a position (laughs) is that you haven't given them enough time to show that they're not a complete screw up at it. Um, So, you know, that never really holds any sway with me, but that's really the only kind of argument that you have at this point with Beatty's results is, you know, that we just haven't given him enough time to install the kind of culture, the kind of um, system that he needs to install. I, I don't think it's ever going to get there. And so I think it's fine to move on now. Um, but right. yeah, I mean, that's really the only argument. Now, the only, I mean, the only way I think that he does well enough to keep his job next year is, again, if they can make a bowl game, which would require them to win four out of the next six games. I don't see it happening. I mean, that's going to require a huge upset against a team like Texas. Well, you know, they can only drop one of, or I'm sorry, they, they can only drop two of at Texas Tech versus Oklahoma and versus Texas. And I don't remember which, whether those two are on the road or not. Um, uh, I believe the Texas at home and Oklahoma is on the road, if I remember right. Yes. Yes, okay. you are correct. Right. So I think it's a pretty safe bet that they're probably not going to beat Texas Tech on the road. They're probably not going to beat Oklahoma on the road. Um you know, and Texas looks arguably like the best team in the Big 12. So I don't think you can expect to sneak up on them and get another huge win. Um, although, I mean, in, in a way, it would kind of be ironic and poetic justice if Beatty somehow saved his job by beating Texas yet again at home. Um, like, <laughs> if that's if that's how it has to happen for him to keep his job, I mean, I would laugh along like everyone else and wonder, you know, what the hell we just got ourselves into by keeping him for another year. But it's going to require him to win, you know, all three of the other games against TCU, uh, K-State, and uh, Iowa State. If they can win those three games and then win against one of those three top teams, like, they qualify for a bowl game. And, and I honestly think that that would be enough for the a large portion of the fan base to say, well, let's go ahead and give them another year. And, and right. Jeff Long wouldn't have any huge impetus to have to move on. But being realistic, there's absolutely no way that that actually happens. So... Right, right, yeah. I, I you know, I, I'm. I guess my biggest fear right now is that he does do that and he does get another year. I, I just, I don't think he's a head coach. I think he did great as as an assistant coach, uh, you know, or a, a position coach, uh, coordinator. I, I think that's that's, but that's where the he's thing. at. But but that's know. the thing. He was never even a coordinator. Like I think that's the big problem is. You know, expecting him to run an entire team when he's never even run one phase of the of the of, of the team is was absolutely ludicrous. Like the only reason mm-hmm. to bring him in is because you thought that he was going to fix recruiting. Like he was gonna he was gonna restock it so that we could in a, in three or four years turn around, hire a legitimate coach to move forward, and you know move on from him. And say thank thank you for restocking the shelves. It's time to go out there and find somebody that can win for us. Um, that would, you know, and it would give him a, a good boost on his resume. Sure. He wouldn't have a huge, a huge, you know, win, but he could say, you know, I, I improved the situation at Kansas. I did the very best possible in a bad situation, you know, and here's my head coaching experience. I didn't completely fall flat on my face, except the problem was he completely fell flat on his face. Um, made the, the, the recruiting situation just as bad or arguably even worse. I mean, they only yeah. have, they only have room for 15 people coming in this, this year, mm. They don't have any I – mean, they have one person in the recruiting class for this year coming up, and they're going to lose 27 seniors, I believe, is, is what it was. Yeah, I um, think you're right. 
but I mean, I, I know it's it's at least twenty five, at least at least an entire class. I, I'm pretty sure it's more. They're probably going to lose one or two guys in a coaching change. Like, arguably, they're in a worse situation scholarship wise than when he got here. And you know, that's the one thing that he had to fix when he got here was to get us trending back to where we needed to be scholarship wise. So it's it's completely fair to say that at this point. You know, it's a complete and utter disaster. Even if he were to somehow qualify for a bowl this year, it would still be a complete and utter disaster because next year you have basically nothing. He'd be starting all over again. Um, and it's going to require him to hobble together a recruiting class really, really quickly right after the season's over. And I think they'd be too busy trying to go win a bowl game to really get a legitimate recruiting class. So next year is going to be abysmal if mm-hmm. he's still here, even if we make a bowl game. So, I mean... At this point, there is no way for me to say going into next year that if he is the coach, that our team is better off than it was when he got here. And that's the big problem. So Right. I Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, I, the, a lot of things make me really, really irritated and upset when it comes to, to Beatty. But the way that he tried to convince our entire fan base that he was going to go out and recruit high school players – and he was going to do this the right way, the slow way, and then he abandoned that, abandoned that so quick, and went after all these JUCO players. Um, it, it just really, really irritates me. And he has some people that aren't don't pay as close of attention as some some other people. He has them convinced that he still is doing that. But when you look at the recruiting classes and you look at, like you said, we have fifteen. 15 scholarships we can give away next year. He's he, he hasn't done it the way that he's saying. And now we're stuck with we're losing a bigger class than a normal recruiting class next year. Right. So he's going to have to go after our next coach is probably going to have to go after some more JUCO players just to even get players that are big enough to compete with these big 12 uh, these Big 12 linemen and Big 12 receivers, I, you know, he's just really kind of, like you said, he's made it worse, in, in my opinion, as well. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I guess look, look, looking forward to the rest of the year. I mean, is there really anything to look forward to? <laughs> well. <laughs> other than, they, other uh, than maybe we win at K-State? That's about the only thing I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, getting up early in the morning on Saturdays, uh, drinking some beer and, and, and making breakfast uh, outside the stadium. I don't know how much I'm going to stay at the game, I, you know, just because I, I don't see any, you know, I don't see us beating even coming close to Texas. We might right. compete with Iowa State, and I don't think we're going to compete with TCU. Uh, I don't, I, I, I think, but I think, the Texas and the TCU game will probably be over pretty early. So I'll probably, uh, uh, you know, good chance I leave those games early and just go to a, a good bar and grill there in Lawrence and watch, watch other football as well and, and be able to eat some, eat some food and, and hang out. But, uh, the, you know, I see, I see us having a good chance against K-State. I think that if that game was in Lawrence, I definitely – I would probably pick them to win right now. Right. But with it being in Manhattan, I, I don't know. But now that we have just Beatty calling the plays without Meacham on the other side of the rope, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I guess 
you know, I, I guess in a week and a half or a week, week from now that I guess we'll find out, I, you know, against Texas Tech, I, Texas Tech, they, they've, they've shown themselves to be really good. And then they've turned around, they've kind of flopped a couple of times. So, um, you know, it's really, really hard to tell at this point, but I think the K-State game might be our only, only hope. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Texas Tech is a little bit easier now. I mean, they had their 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 starting quarterback go down with an injury. I'm not sure when he's actually expected to come back. I don't believe it was a season-ending injury, but um, you know, so they they are still a good team, but I don't think they're quite as dangerous as they were earlier in the season. Um, but they're still a lot better than Kansas is. So, like, I'm not expecting mm-hmm. anything there. The Iowa State game, I felt a whole lot better about that game until I saw them just score at will against Oklahoma State um, on the road at Oklahoma State. So, like, you know, I I had thought that that was going to be a good game for the Kansas defense to really control the game and keep us in it. Um, I'm not so sure that that's the case now. Like, Iowa State, I think, is going to be able to put up some points. Um, And Mm -hmm. theoretically, or basically everybody is saying that supposedly Iowa State has the best defense in the Big 12 this year. So I'm not really expecting a lot out of that game anymore. Um, the, the TCU game, I think we do actually have a, a decent shot at that game. One, we tend, you know, barring last year, we tend to play TCU pretty let's not, close. Let's not talk about last year. Right. The TCU, though. I'm, I'm ignoring, I'm ignoring <laughs> last year. Um, but, you know, last year was kind of the exception that proves the rule is that in every other year, you know, they've played that game like it's a rivalry game. You know, they play really, really close. It comes down to the wire. There's absolutely no reason Kansas should be even be in the game, and yet somehow they keep their they're within a possession with just a, a couple minutes left. Like, you know, TCU has shown some pretty big problems this year that people were not expecting them to have. I think that Kansas can turn that into a defensive battle. I still wouldn't pick them to win that game, but I do think that that game is going to be a little closer than people give them credit for. Um, you know, I obviously, so. obviously, I think Texas is going to just completely destroy us. Oklahoma is going to completely <laughs> destroy us. Um, that K-State game, you're right, is is like the only opportunity left on the schedule for us to break the Big 12 road losing streak and to actually get a Big 12 win this year. So um, that's like the only game that I'm actually looking forward to. It'd be interesting if Kansas were able to win that game and Kansas State finally decides it's time to move on you know, and find a new coach. Um, I don't know how likely that is, but I do think that there's enough people that are kind of upset with the way that that program has been going and some of the things that Bill Snyder has said recently that they might, you know, that might be finally the kick that they need to say, look, we lost to Kansas this year. Um, we need to get something turned around so that we don't have problems moving forward. So, um, didn't he just get? Didn't Bill Snyder just get a? He did just get extension? a. He did just get like a five year extension. <laughs> but you know, as we've as we've seen, um, nonsensical extensions don't necessarily mean that someone gets to stay. I mean, David Beatty just got an extension, and it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's gone after this year. Um, just given right. with the, the the athletic director change, so um, you know there is no guarantee that getting a five year extension will actually keep him there for even a couple years. Um, you know, Bill Snyder also I think is, is is the kind of guy that you know if if enough of the public sentiment turns against him, he may just decide whether he has a contract or not to go ahead and retire again, um, mm-hmm. which would be like a negotiated buyout most likely to get him to go ahead and retire and and move on to another you know, a, a, another coach for Kansas State. The only thing that makes me wonder whether he would actually even do that is he's been really campaigning big for his son to get that job. Um, I could right. see him holding on until they finally decide to let his son have it. Um, you know, which, I, I mean, I don't I don't think, 
it's, it's like playing a game of chicken there because, you know, I don't think Bill Snyder would have any qualms about if he really wants his son to get that job of sticking on for the entire five-year contract um, or, you know, or making them fire him to allow his son to get that job. Kansas State, I don't think, wants to be, you know, that that kind of school that fires the legendary head coach who has his name on their stadium and everything. But, you know, if he forces them to do that, then obviously they look a little bad. It, it You know, it can cause all kinds of problems, and who knows how long he would actually stick around to try to make them do that. So. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I could definitely, I could definitely see that, that as well. I knew, I know that he, that he's campaigning pretty hard for his son to have that job. So yeah, there could be makes, all kinds it, of shading for shot and fraud over there. <laughs> yeah. It could be, it, it could get kind of, kind of crazy over there with their football program. You know, if they, especially if they lose to lose to Kansas, nobody wants to lose to Kansas. I mean, we saw what happened to Charlie Strong. I think he was, he already kind of had a foot out the door anyways, but you know, you lose to Kansas in the big 12, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of kind of the job. death penalty. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, um, any other any other final thoughts on on either the season so far, or what's happened in the bye week, or what's or or moving forward? Well, I, you know, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, since you usually ask me the questions, I have questions for you. Um, do you see Carter Stanley playing much more this season now that Meacham's gone? Uh, probably not. I mean, at this point, it's it's now David Beatty's team. There's not going to be a lot of people arguing with him. You know, I, I think it, what makes me, you know, we, we've been questioning so long why we have the really weird quarterback changes in the middle. Um, given everything that's come out, I think it all makes perfect sense now. It's the fact that David Beatty himself is not very confident in his coaching style, it seems. You know, he, he's really good at pumping out sunshine when he thinks that, that will be helpful. Um but what makes perfect sense to me is that he has, you know, kind of laid down the ultimatum that Peyton Bender is the guy. And then when stuff doesn't go well in the game, he lets his confidence in that waiver and Meacham finally wins out and gets who he wants in there. So Miles, Miles Kendrick or Carter Stanley, um, there's not going to be a strong voice in there anymore to kind of override what Beatty wants to do. So when he loses confidence, he's going to have what seems to be a lot of guys just, you know, reassuring him that what he wanted to do is, is the right path. We're not going to see a lot of quarterback changes, I don't think. Um, now, that being said, you know, if if Peyton Bender starts this next game and just completely bombs, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him switch to either Carter Stanley or um, you know if if Miles Kendrick isn't available or going back to Miles Kendrick and just letting him play out the rest of the, the season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to say that I don't think you know I, I don't see Carter Stanley as the horse that David Beatty wants to ride. And so, barring a just complete disaster of everything, like I don't see Carter Stanley stepping back on the field again for the rest of the year. I I'm with you. I I, I don't either uh, because I don't think that Carter Stanley is David Beatty's guy. I don't think that he he has something against him, even though he's the one that's really I feel like led him led his teams better than anybody else that he's had. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Well, and I'm, I'm trying to remember, was, was Carter Stanley a David Beatty recruit or was he, I, I want to say that he was recruited when, uh, Charlie Weiss was like one foot out the door, but I, I, may I be think wrong he was because, because he redshirted, I believe. Right. I think and so he, if that's the so case, he's, this is his fourth year, I believe. Um, so yeah, he would have, I think he was already recruited and I, I'm not real sure. 
Take, it's so hard for me. See if I can find it real quick. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, if if that's the case, it would make sense. He wasn't because yeah, he's on he's on the 2015 roster uh, as a freshman, and he didn't see any action. It looks like. Wait, no, this is 2018. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> wow, wait, what's going yeah. on here? So it's really weird. We've got the 2000. I'm, I'm looking at the KU athletics website. We've got the 2015 football roster. But it, ha- and it has Carter Stanley as a freshman. But then the first thing it shows up is his 2018 stats and bio. Weird. And I'm well, just like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so he, he, he didn't play until 2016. His, right. So he redshirted his first season at Kansas, uh, which says to me that he was part of the recruiting class that Charlie Weiss was putting together. Or I guess at that point, actually, it was uh, Clint, Clint Bowen as the, the interim. Um, mm-hmm. So he was part of that recruiting class that was put together. David Beatty didn't really want to you know kick anyone to the curb because he was just taking over you know, the brand new um, program there and trying to get his feet wet and everything. Um, but with him redshirting, he didn't get a chance to really establish himself as a David Beatty type of guy. And it just never seems like he actually, you know, caught on. He, he's always been kind of the last resort when everybody, when everything else just fails miserably. So I'm not really surprised that he, you know, isn't the guy that David Beatty wants because he wasn't the guy that David Beatty recruited. Um, you know, Peyton, Peyton Bender was a David Beatty recruit. And then Miles Kendrick was a David Beatty recruit. So, I mean, these are the guys that he handpicked to come in here. Um, I was a little surprised to find out that Miles Kendrick was actually available for yesterday, for the, the West Virginia game, but didn't see any time. Um, yeah. my, my hope on that is that maybe that came from above to say, look, you know, unless you absolutely have to play him in an emergency type situation, let Miles Kendrick sit get completely healed and then we can decide from there whether to bring him back or whether to allow him to redshirt. Um, I think that would be like the ideal scenario for Kansas this year is to, to either go ahead and play out Peyton Bender and Carter Stanley, let Miles Kendrick redshirt. He's only played four games. Um, and then we have another, another year of eligibility for a guy that might actually be the answer once we get in a competent coach. Obviously David Beatty doesn't care about what the next coach has. Um, but you know, it, it sounds like we're at the point now where Jeff Long needs to go in there and start dictating how the roster is managed, how we start doing things, and start looking towards the future. Um, you know, if David Beatty wants any hope of staying, he has to listen to what he's being told to do. Um, and so ho- hopefully Jeff Long is the kind of guy that will get in there and actually make those sorts of changes and give us some hope for continuity. Because, I mean, you know, it's especially when we're at the scholarship situation that we're at, like that is the way that you can fix the scholarship situation is trying to get as many extra years from guys that are currently on the roster as possible. Um, so I, I mean, yeah. like that's, that's the fastest way back there is to take these, you know, take these four currently four year guys and stretch them into five year guys. So you have those guys around. Um, so if we can do that, yeah. that would be awesome. Um, but I think like, I think that's the only way that Carter Stanley plays is if Miles Kendrick is, you know, is basically given the ultimatum that Miles Kendrick has to sit so that he can redshirt, and Peyton Bender doesn't doesn't play very well, and then Carter Stanley has an opportunity to get on the field. But it's it's going to take a lot, I think. Yeah, and I and I and I really I would really like if Kendrick redshirted as well. I, I really would. I, I I think that I think that he is a very very positive thing to this the, to this football program. It, it is just his first year. He's only played four games. You know, he has three years of eligibility left if he if he redshirts this year because he's, you know, a JUCO player like most on this team. Um, but, yeah, I, I really I really hope that he redshirts. I really would like it. 
and I, and I wish that they would just go two quarterbacks the rest of the year because you know that they're going to switch it and switch it out all the time, and that's just what Beatty does. Right. But I, you know, I'm so nervous that he's just going to put him in the game, and then we just we lost we lost a, a year of eligibility for for a guy that could be our answer later on. And that's the scary thing is that he only needs to appear in one more play the rest of the year mm-hmm. to not be able right. to use that red shirt this year. So right, exactly. Um, I'm hoping that something ha- like I mean I don't want him to get injured for it to happen, but I'm hoping yeah. that something happens to keep him from seeing the field for the rest of the year so that we can have that extra year. I mean, it's not like he's going to be able to lead single-handedly lead the Jayhawks to a bowl game. Um, you know, if he, if he was that, you know, phenomenal of a talent and made that much of a difference, obviously one, he would have been starting the, the entire time. So he would have already burned the red shirt. Um, you know, and <laughs> so he's not going to be able to make that difference all by himself there. That means that there's no reason to force him out onto the field. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really am hopeful that the, the next time we see him is either next year or in some sort of emergency type situation where both Carter Stanley and Peyton Bender are injured. So obviously I don't want that to happen. So I would, I would hope that he, we don't see him the rest of this year. So correct. I, uh, I agree. All right. So any, any other final thoughts before we get out of here for the day? Hi, I don't think so. I think I'm good. All right. Sounds, sounds good. So, uh, go ahead and remind the people listening where they, where they can find you guys online. Yeah, you can find us uh, on hockjock.com. Uh, we are also with our we have we have podcasts as well. You can find us on on SoundCloud and and iTunes. You can all you can do all of that through through uh, the website. And then you can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, Twitter and Facebook is hockjock underscore ku. Facebook is hockjock ku. Um, and then from there, you can always. Uh, uh, follow my 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 cohort uh, and and Fitz Daddy eighty five on Twitter and uh, yeah we have you know we have some other things as well we we like getting with uh, Rock Chalk Talk here and 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 uh, doing some podcasts so yeah check check us out as well yeah speaking of your guys podcast you guys have some really really good guests on I, I remember listening to the Mark Mangino episode. Um, mm-hmm. to be honest, like listening to some of your guests, it's kind of been like the who's who of guys that I want to get on this podcast at some <laughs> point. And, um, going to be a little hard now, now they've already been on one, but that's all right. We've got a kind of our own little thing going on here, but it's, it's, it's great right. to always hear additional voices. Um, you guys do a really good job with the interviews of, of past KU players and coaches and stuff like that. So it's, it's been really great to listen to you guys. I highly recommend anybody who listens here, definitely head on over there and listen to you guys. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been great. You guys have been putting out a lot of great content. Um, Thank you. On, honestly, I think some of it is either either better in terms of a, a football focus than some of the stuff we've done over on Rock Chalk Talk. Um, you know, it's, I it's, that. It's, it's it's definitely great to have some some brand new voices out there that haven't unfortunately haven't been reporting on this team for multiple years and gotten a little <laughs> bit jaded. So, <laughs> right, right, and we plan on having uh, you know we have a few few more guests. Uh, obviously, they're not they're not locked down, so oh, I d- I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to uh, to throw anybody out there right now. But we have a, a another uh, we have a couple more guests that we are very very excited about that we have been that we've been talking to trying to get on. So. Um, hopefully, hopefully we can get them on here, uh, get them on there and, uh, definitely take a listen. It won't be their guests that aren't, aren't particularly, uh, just KU. So, you know, they're more national type type people that we, that we've been in contact with. So, so hopefully we can get them on at least for 
15 or 20 minutes. They know that's yeah. usually about all they give us, which is fine. Um, and then we will, uh, you know, we will be able to put that out and, and, and just, just some, somebody new to, to listen to, to talk to. But, um, yeah, definitely, definitely go follow us as well. You know, we, we love, we love everybody in the, in the Jayhawk community. So, um, and also, if, like I've said several times, uh, if, if you're out at the game, feel free to come up. Uh, we might have food. We might not. I don't know. It depends. But at least come up and say hi and, 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 and drink a beer with you. You can throw your beer in our cooler if you need to so you don't have to carry a cooler around with you. But, you know, uh, come up and say hi. And uh, we're, we're right there at the west, of the west side of the stadium in Lot 52. Yeah, and I think we've been talking. Uh, I don't think we've actually made it happen yet, but I know that Mike over at Rock Chalk Talk, we've we've been talking about trying to do a like like a joint tailgate with you guys at some point this season. Absolutely, so yeah, yeah. We're still trying we, to make that happen. Done. For for those of you guys that listened to our summer episodes where we talked about that, we are still working on it. We're going to try to make it happen this year. If not, we can maybe we can kick off with the home opener next year. So, yeah, yeah, and then I mean, if we could make it happen, that 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 Texas game would be a lot of fun to do. Uh, oh, that would be awesome. My, my first. Our first year tailgating, we uh, we met some pretty awesome Texas people. Um, and she, uh, the the one the one girl, the one lady, sorry that 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 really does it all. She's she's big Texas Longhorns. Um, she has a huge tailgate down in Austin. I I'm sure that if you if you come up that uh, that game, she's she'll probably be around a little bit. Um, I've I've talked to her a few times. Since then, uh, she would definitely invite you if you ever wanted to go down to Austin to any tailgate. I, you know, she has a huge one down there. She's always in the papers and on the, um, uh, on like local local TVs just because she she's die hard. Like you think that we're die hard KU? She's, <laughs> I mean, she blows us out of the water with Texas Longhorns. Well, everything's crazy uh, down in Texas. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So everything's everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. Um, so I, she she'll probably be up there with a few of few texas people and they're a good time they i you know they're they're just out to have a good time and um and and hang out and so yeah if you guys wanted to to get together that one we we could probably definitely make it make it big um it's black friday so why not right oh that'd that'd be awesome all right well well ryan thanks thanks again for joining me tonight we'll definitely uh keep keep everybody in touch or you know uh apprised of, of anything that we come up with for that but uh but thanks, thanks again for your thoughts tonight. And that'll do it for today's episode. Big thanks to Ryan for joining me today. Uh, it was really great to talk to them again. Just a, a quick update on what's happened so far this weekend. Um, Wednesday, uh, which was after we recorded the last episode, but before it actually aired, uh, Kansas beat Texas three sets to one in the volleyball matchup to remain undefeated in the Big 12. Uh, Friday, we had the soccer team won 2-1 to one in overtime over TCU at Rock Chalk Park. And so they were able to um, actually get close to the top of the table there for the Big 12. Um, we had a bunch of other action, a bunch of other sports. We had some uh, some, some tennis. We had golf. Uh, actually, the, the tennis ITA uh, regional championships. Uh, Kansas, I believe, it looks like they are a per- they have a perfect record in the first two days. So they have been just playing beautifully there. Uh, Kansas volleyball on Saturday, uh, they they swept Texas Tech 3-0. Uh, this was down at Texas Tech, so they are 
remain or they've remained undefeated now in the Big 12. They are alone in first place up in the Big 12. So it's it's a really great performance for the Bulldogs. You know, I wasn't expecting it to be quite this good. We are expecting them to be kind of decent in a rebuilding kind of phase after losing all those great seniors. Uh, but they've, they've come on strong. They had a few hiccups early in the year. They've come on strong now in the Big 12 play. They have an early lead. They still have to go to Texas later this year uh, to, to finish up that slate. But you know, they, are, they are definitely in good position right now to try to get at least a share of the Big 12 conference title. Uh, coming up still this weekend, tomorrow on Sunday, Kansas uh, travels the soccer team. I'm sorry, they, they don't travel. They're at home against Texas Tech. I believe this is their home finale, so this will be senior day for them. Um, if they win this match or this game, I believe that puts them up at the top of the table. So this is a very important match for them. Um, and then, of course, we still have the, the regional the regional championships for the for the tennis continuing to go on. So um, lots and lots of stuff to continue to look forward to. Uh, so once again, I want to thank you guys for listening. Even though we don't have a game, this obviously can be your your KU football fix for the day and for this weekend. Um, hopefully, it was. Something that was worth listening to, something that will give you maybe just a little bit of optimism for the rest of the season. Um, obviously, I know that there's a lot of strange and weird news that's been happening recently. And with Beatty still at the helm, uh, you know, I, I don't blame people for not necessarily being optimistic. But maybe, you know, we have enough insight into what Jeff Long is thinking, that he has a clear plan and that we can, can move forward. So as painful as it's going to be now, uh, you know, it seems like this is probably the necessary step, even if it's not funny for the group. So... All right, we'll go ahead and leave it there tonight, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. You can email us, rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter. Uh, but also, you know, please find us on iTunes, rate, subscribe, all that fun stuff. A five-star rating would be great. It really helps us to get our name out there. Uh, and, and as always, if, if there is a podcast uh, tool or a podcast app you want us to be on that we're not currently on, uh, please let me know. I'll do everything I can to get us on there as quickly as possible. So um, we do want your questions, your comments, all that fun stuff. So please contact us and let us know. Coming up this next week, uh, we are actually uh, speaking with Jesse Newell, Fetch and I are, to preview the Kansas basketball season. Uh, the bi- you know, a- After the bye week is a perfect time to go ahead and do that before we look ahead to further fu- to, to future football games. So uh, we have a nice break here, and, and, and Jesse was great great enough to agree to go ahead and, and, and appear on that so you know any of you guys listening to this, this this weekend please please give us any questions you want us to ask we're going to be doing as deep a dive as we can at this point and I'm sure there's been a lot going on in the, in the basketball world not just here at KU with, with a bunch of guys trying to work in rotation but also you know while we, while we don't have a lot of information we'll at least discuss the impacts of what we've seen so far at the, uh, the Adidas trial so um, again, you know, I don't have any unique insights or anything like that, but maybe we can piece together a lot of the information we have and think, you know, and, and talk about what that might actually mean for us. So, uh, once again, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next time on the Watch Up Podcast. Podcast Network.